each and every one of you for just allowing us to minister to you. Uh, we've truly grown to love these people, and we've grown to love you in this church. Amen. You've truly ministered to me and my family, so I, I thank you for that from the bottom of my heart. If you have your Bibles with you, I do have... <laughs> has placed on my heart for tonight 2nd Timothy chapter 1 praise God 2nd Timothy chapter 1 uh, we will start with verse 3 Paul writing to Timothy he says I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day <clears throat> greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy verse 5 when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you Timothy that genuine sincere faith that is in you which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice. And this next portion here, uh, he says, I am persuaded that it's in you also. That, that word persuaded, it, it leads me to believe that Paul has yet to see this unfeigned faith. But I know it's in you, Timothy. I believe that there's something inside of you that you have yet to see. That revival that, that, that you are experiencing, that, that move of God that you're having, having is just the beginning. There's, there's something more. Uh, he says, watch this, verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Watch this, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I experienced, I saw this with my own eyes. Paul says. That word stir up in the Greek means to kindle afresh, to keep in full flame. In other words, he's saying that gift that is inside of you, you need to stir that up, Timothy. Uh, in his first letter to Timothy, in 1 Timothy uh, you'll see that he tells them to neglect not the gift. And for some reason, his second letter, he felt uh, to emphasize the point to tell him to stir it up. Amen. And right after he tells Timothy to stir up this gift in verse 7, he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. God has not put that spirit of fear inside of you, Timothy but rather power and of love and a sound mind. And if you read the books, the epistles, First and Second Timothy together, and if you take tabs, uh, I believe you will find no less than 25 times in different places where Paul encourages Timothy to be bold and to not shy away from confrontation, to stand up where you need to stand and be strong. I believe that God is wanting to stir up some gifts in this place tonight. 
I believe that there is anointing that has yet to be tapped into. That there is destiny that has yet to be fulfilled. Amen. I believe there are prophetic callings on this church and on you individually that has yet to be seen. And God is simply saying, stir it up. Stir up what's already inside of you. Praise God. One more portion of scripture real quickly. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. We have here what I call a conditional promise. In other words, if we meet the conditions, God will fulfill the promise. It says simply this. Trust in the Lord with all. Everyone say all. All thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Don't lean on your circumstances or your situation. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, not the problem. And He shall direct your paths. Amen. In order for our steps to be directed by the Lord, you must first put all your trust into Him, Pastor. And in order to put all of our trust in the Lord, as Paul writes to Timothy, we find you must first be willing to step out of fear, Timothy, and into faith. And I want to preach to you this morning, or tonight rather, sorry. Stepping out of fear and into faith. Amen. And lay our Bibles down, lift up our voices to the Lord. God, I, I thank you for your word. Let it break us, let it shape us, and let it mold us, God. Lord, I pray that you would place your words in my mouth tonight, that you would help me to decrease so that you can increase, increase God. I, I pray that you would anoint me, God, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, God. And Lord, that you'll begin to pull out, God, something that is already within us, Jesus. That you would give us a spirit of boldness in this house tonight, God. That the gifts that you've placed in us already, Lord, we will walk out, God, and we'll walk these streets with the spirit of boldness proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. In the book of Genesis chapter 9 and verse 2 this is the first time we see the word fear in the Bible. It says, And the fear of you and the dread of you, speaking of man, shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air. And watch this. Upon all that moveth upon the earth, upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. I find it interesting the first time we see the word fear, it's coming from the mouth of God. And He does not say God will place fear into mankind, but that God will place upon all that moveth upon the earth the fear of mankind. You were not created to fear the world. The world was created to fear you. You were not created to live your life predicated by fear, but predicated by faith. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Fear is what the Bible says it is, church. It is a spirit. And I feel that in the la these days, the church, what we're, uh, there's an opposition against the church. There is, uh, there is some opposing force 
against us. And I've, I've prayed and I've sought the Lord. And what God has revealed to me, it is that fear is what is opposing the church. And uh, if we're not careful, the spirit of fear can hold you captive. And it can cause you to remain idle. It can rob us of our purpose that God has placed in our lives. It can steal the promises that God wants us to achieve in this world. It, it, it can cause us to never fulfill the calling of God in our lives. As a church collectively and as you as an individual. Uh, the, decept, the deceiving thing with fear, Pastor, that I have found is that fear does not always pull you away from God. It just keeps us from going any further. And here's the deceiving part. We feel that as long as we're not going backwards, we're okay. As long as I'm not moving backwards, I'm alright. I'm, I'm in the will of God. I'm doing good. But the Bible says uh, that you need to draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. And there is a danger in remaining idle because if you are not drawing nigh unto God, there is an adversary that's drawing nigh unto you. Uh, for example, the children of Israel, it was fear that kept them out of the promised land. It didn't pull them back into Egypt, but it never let them step into the promise. I heard uh, Bishop T.F. Tenney once say, I'll never forget that it is true that faith can move a mountain. But it is also true that fear can create one. And I've preached probably every sermon here. And I've mentioned somewhere in that sermon that there will be valleys and there will be hardships in your walk with God. That's where God grows us. That's where we grow closer to God. I don't feel I need to expand on that any further. But what, my, what I'm trying to say is, uh, could it be that some of you are going through valleys that God never intended for you to go through? Because of fear, you're trying to climb up a mountain that God never intended for you to climb. Uh, we're supposed to be moving mountains in our walk with God. But instead, because of fear, we are creating them. And I'll just be as, as honest as I can, as candid as I can be. If your life is controlled by fear, you will always lack the boldness you need to step into faith. The Bible says very clearly we must trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Not some, not half, not most, but with everything that is within me. All my, every fiber of my being, I've got to put my trust into Him and to lean not unto our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge Him. Not our situation, not our circumstance. What it's saying is when the odds are stacked against you and the doctor says there is no way and the enemy saying there is no hope, you simply muster up that faith that is inside of you and you say, but I know a God that is able to do exceeding above I know what the statistics are. You don't have to remind me of the percentages. But I know a God who specializes in the impossible. 
And the Bible says if you acknowledge him, not the situation, not the enemy, he will direct your path. And there is a dire need for the church to be directed by the Lord. Because you see, this, this world has lost its sense of direction. And if the church is not being led by the Lord, then church who is? We need to know we're in the will of God because if there's peace and prosperity, this is not a big issue. But when things are, are going wrong in your life and, and there's trials and there's tribulations, uh, you begin to question God. You begin to question whether you're where you should be. But if you know that you're in the will of God, you can be like Job and say, He knoweth the way that I take. And when I get through the other side, I'm going to shine like gold. I know there's tribulation. I know there's adversity. But I know I am in the will of God. Well, Brother Justin, you just, you're, you're being too loud. You're, you're being too obnoxious and, and unorthodox. But can I tell you, church, you don't know like I know what God has done for me. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me. Oh, praise God, praise God. Fear is mostly preceded by the unknown. Because we don't know the, the, the results. We're uncertain of the final results we fear. I'm just being honest and I'm telling you what I've lived. Amen. Fear, like I said, is what caused the children of Israel to spend 40 years in the wilderness. God brought them out of Egypt, split the Red Sea, led them through the wilderness by a cloud and by fire. And he poured out manna on them every day. They saw a miracle from God. But when he brings them to the promised land, and just because some spies come back and they say it is, it is flowing with milk and honey, we have the evidence of the fruit. But we also saw some giants over there. There's some opposition in the promised land. They began to question God because there was a little opposition. Yeah. Well, maybe God's wrong because I'm going through something. The, the, the way is not paved clear for me. The road has got some obstacles in it. Maybe I'm not in the will. And because of fear, they spent a whole generation spent 40 years in the wilderness. They were led there by God. They were promised by God to receive this land. And they said, there's giants over there. And we look like grasshoppers in our eyes. And a whole generation dies in the wilderness as a result. But 40 years later, spies go back into the land. And they find themselves in the house of a harlot named Rahab. And watch what this woman tells them. Watch what this woman says in Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9. She says unto the man, I know the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord 
dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And she said, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't melt and neither did there remain any courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, not our God, but your God, He is God in heaven above and earth beneath. That woman told them God gave you the victory 40 years prior, but because of fear, you failed to enter in 40 years later. Can I tell somebody here tonight, you've been waiting for a victory. You've been waiting for a door to open. Can I tell you, you've been standing outside because of fear. You fear a little opposition in your life when God's been trying to give you a victory for years and years she said when we heard these things our hearts didn't melt this baffles me because the enemy heard these things the ones that heard about the miracles believed more than the ones that saw the enemy did not even see it, but yet they believe more than the children of Israel. You do good. You love God. You believe in one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble at His name because the devil knows who is our God. He knows who we serve. And I'm here tonight not to tell him who God is. I'm trying to remind you who God is. He is the author and the finisher. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He has all the power in the world. And if God says you can do it, then you can do it. Praise God, praise God. But here's the thing, if we're too afraid to step into that promise, God, will, God is willing to let a whole generation die in the wilderness. And He'll raise up a generation that's not afraid to step into the promise. I don't want to be that generation that misses out on the greatest revival that God is wanting to have. When it's all said and done, church, when I make it to those pearly gates, I would rather it be said that we did not run from giants, but rather we slayed giants. We were not afraid of the promised land, but we walked with our heads held high, proclaiming the gospel down these streets, that we cast out devils, that we done miracles, and signs and wonders. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. It was fear that caused the army of Israel to hide in the mountains for 40 days while Goliath of Gath walked out twice daily and mocked them. All these men of valor, these men of war, these great and mighty men that were in the Lord's army, they were afraid of one giant that they saw. And like I said this morning, for 40 days, Pastor, the children of Israel, the army, they were one stone throw away from victory and I don't know for certain if it had to be David I think God was just looking for a man he was just looking for a woman that's willing to step out of fear and into faith yeah. but all 
these men of valor hiding from this giant. It took a little shepherd boy to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the army of the living God? They said, David, you need to sit back. You're too young. You're too weak. He said, no, you don't understand. The Lord was with me with the lion, and he was with me with the bear. And this giant is going to be just like that lion and that bear. Because David never forgot who he served. David learned something in his life. And he said it best in Psalms 23 and verse 4. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no giant. I will fear no demon or principality. Why? He said, for thou art with me. You are with me, God. And I'm here to tell somebody that God is with you in your valley. He's with you in your storm he's with you in the fire and when you're surrounded by your enemies God is able to split the raging sea you need to remember that God will never leave you nor forsake you I wish we would engraft that in our hearts and when we're going against our greatest adversary when we're in our lowest valley God is still with us He also goes on to say in 20, Psalms 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. I get my strength from Him. Of whom shall I be afraid? And you and I, church, we have the truth. We've got what this world wants. This is the greatest treasure the world has ever seen. And it's a hot commodity. In this world, this city, they don't need a fearful Christian. They don't need a timid Christian. They need a Christian that's willing to walk out down these streets with a spirit of boldness proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power over the enemy. We've got power, church. If we just knew the access of power that we have. Praise God. Praise God. Fear can manifest itself in various ways. I've come to know. And I'm not, I don't believe that. I am preaching to a church or a congregation tonight that is afraid of the enemy. We're past that. We've got power. We've got power. We know whom we serve. We know what we have. But I believe our greatest hindrance to revival is not the fear of the enemy. It's the fear of failure. The fear of failure. The fear of failure is when we allow that, that fear to stop us doing the things that can move us forward to achieve our goals. So watch this. That fear of failure will stop you before you even start. Satan's fine without us being scared of him. But if we can be afraid of failure, it will stop us before we even start. Before you ever get started in the will of God, you're going to stop. 
Every time you try to step out into the will of God, you try to go into a deeper dimension in your walk with Him, you want to be used by God. That fear of failure seeps in. And you say, well, what if I don't get the Holy Ghost? What if I lay hands on them and they don't get healed? What if I invite them to church and they don't come? I've got a revelation for you. What if they do? What if you do come down to this altar and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? What if you lay hands on them and they get that healing and that miracle? What if you invite them to church and they come running through those doors? Yes. Amen. Because faith, fear will always say, what if they don't? Faith says, what if they do? We've got to stop focusing on the risk, church, and we've got to focus on the reward. We've got to stop focusing on the risk, and you've got to start focusing on the reward. The reward is so much greater than the risks that are involved. There is a revival that God is wanting to pour out on us, and we've got to get rid and rebuke and destroy this spirit of fear. Paul said, stir up that gift, Timothy. I'm glad that God is using you. But I know that there's something deep inside of you you have yet to tap into. And I'm, I'm trying to encourage you to stir up that gift. I believe I'm looking at people. There's their Sunday school teachers right now. There's prayer warriors right now that God is trying to call. There's preachers. There's pastors. There's people that God is trying to call into a deeper walk with Him. Oh, we could turn this city upside down. We could turn this world upside down with an apostolic revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the greatest treasure this world has ever seen. As they told, Pastor told us that story about those, those poor women and children that's been used and abused their whole life. And those people, all they go in there and they preach Jesus. And tears begin to fall. And they lift up their hands and the Holy Ghost begins to fall. Can I tell you, you must never take for granted what we have. We've got the cure of cancer. We've got the cure to Alzheimer's. We've got the keys to eternal salvation in heaven. John the Baptist prepared the way. Jesus Christ paved the way. But he's placed it in our hands, Pastor, to show them the way. He's put it in your hands to share the gospel. Oh, praise God. Praise God. If you never step out of, out of fear and into faith, we will never truly know what our potential is in this life. I can't be used by God. I can't teach a Bible study. I, I can't receive the Holy Ghost. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm too timid. I'm too dirty. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do anything that God wants you to do. You can do anything that God wants you to do. Praise God. I'm going to be transparent with you tonight. I don't have, nobody raise your hands. I'm the transparent one. But have you ever been reminded of your past before by the enemy? 
How many times does Satan recall to memory all those failures, all those sins, all those skeletons in your closet that you wish could just simply go away, but yet he's reminding you day in and day out. Satan wants to remind you of your sins and of your failures. Why? To keep you from trying again. I struggled with the call of God. I think I told pastor about it. I said, I'm never going to be able to tell my pastor that I'm a preacher. God, this is not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not endorsing this, but I said, God, you're going to have to make it happen. If you want me to preach anything, you're going to have to make it happen because Satan, every time I try to step into that will of God, every time I thought that I could probably do what God's calling me to do, Satan would remind me and he would pull me back and he would take me back and take me back because I let those fear of failure seep in. And he would remind me and remind me and remind me. And that fear of failure stopped me. And I'm thankful that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. I, I know that scripture, I've quoted it to myself so many times. But sometimes that did not even work. And I, I, I pleaded with God. I'm not endorsing this either. But I said, Lord, if I could just forget these failures, if I can forget my past, if I wake up in the morning and I feel like I'm perfect and I've never done anything wrong, then maybe I'll walk in your will. I, Satan won't be able to pull me back. He won't have any leverage against me. And this is what the Lord gave me. We know that when we're baptized in the name of Jesus, we ask God to forgive us of our sins. He not only forgives us of our sins, but His precious blood washes them away. He forgives and forgets as far as the east is from the west. And this is what the Lord gave me. By Him forgetting our sins, we are made holy in His eyes. Therefore, we're able to be in relationship with Him. Isaiah says it's our iniquities that have turned His face from us. We're able to be in relationship with Him. We're able, God's able to use us and work through us. By Him forgetting, we are made holy in His eyes. But by us remembering our sins, by us remembering our sins, He is made greater in our eyes. By us remembering our sins, He is made greater in our eyes. Because every time Satan reminds me of where I came from, I get a glimpse back and I see where I was. And then I see where I am. And then every time He reminds me, God becomes greater and greater in my eyes. Can I tell you tonight, church, God does not let you remember your sins and your failures so Satan can pull you back in the darkness he lets us remember to remind us that we are now in his marvelous light oh come on somebody it's not a bad thing to remember it would be worse to forget because if I never knew I was once lost I would never know I am now saved Oh, what a revelation it was to me, Pastor. Every time Satan will remind me, I turn around and I say, Thank you, Bubba, because all you're doing is making God greater in my eyes. And the greater that God becomes, the more.
more that I love him. The greater that God becomes in your eyes, the more you will love him. And you will get to a point in your relationship with God where you genuinely, truly love God with all your heart. And then your life is no longer predicated by fear, but it's predicated by God's love. And the Bible says in the book of John, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. That perfect, unconditional love that God God has for you and I it cast out that fear Hallelujah. what a revelation and it all started with those failures Satan will use to stop you God remember reminds us to throw us forward thrust us into our destiny and now let me sum it all together for you real quick the more you love God the more you will be willing to put your trust into him and when you love God with all your heart brother show strand you say God now I am willing to put all of my trust into you and I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways I'm not going to lean in my own understanding God why because I trust you and now because of that trust the Bible says he will direct your paths what that proverb is essentially saying is, is to submit yourself to God. To submit yourself to Him. Praise God. Uh, musicians, if you will get ready, I'm coming to a close. We need you. This church needs you. This city needs you. This world needs you. You are stronger than you think you are. You are greater than what you are right now. There are gifts. There are talents. There are abilities that God has placed in each and every one of you. Praise God. I don't believe revival is coming. Christian Apostolic Church, I believe revival is here. Yes. I believe revival is now. With all my heart. Real quickly, all throughout the Bible, there are great people who have failures. Abraham was a liar, but yet he became the father of many nations. Moses murdered a man out of anger, but yet God used him to deliver his people from Egypt. David lusted and committed adultery, but yet he was called a man after God's own heart. Peter denied Jesus thrice, three times in the New Testament, but yet he preached the day of Pentecost. And God gave him the keys to the kingdom. I say that to say this, we don't remember these men by their failures but by their purpose because your purpose is greater than your failures so don't get so caught up in the amount of times that you have failed Satan will keep a good tab for you and he will remind you but what the Bible says in Proverbs 24 a just man falleth seven times but he riseth up again can I tell you when you get to heaven it's not going to be filled with perfect people that never failed it's going to be filled with people that failed, but yet they got up one more time and they tried again. Are you willing to get up one more time and try again? Are you willing to get up, Paul, and dust off that dirt and go back into the city and preach the gospel? Praise God. Would you stand with me tonight, church? 
What if we stop focusing on the risk and focused on the reward? You can't make this stuff up. You can check my facts if you like. The YouVersion Bible app is the most downloaded Bible app in all the world. It is most likely the Bible that's app that's on your phone. I think it's 400 plus million people around the world have this Bible app right now. All throughout the world, they like verses, they highlight them, they share them. And what YouVersion does, Brother Shostran, is every year, they look at the most liked, highlighted, and shared verses across the world for the whole year. They take their, their, their statistics, they dwindle them down, and here they are. And in 2017, three years ago, that one verse throughout the whole year was Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Watch this. Have not I commanded thee? Yes. This was God reminding Joshua before they went back into the promised land. Don't you have that fear like the ones before you? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid nor dismayed by the great, by, neither by the Lord, the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Be not afraid, he says, for I am with you wherever you go. 2018, last year, or I guess it's two years ago now. Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Watch this. Fear thou not. There's a correlation here. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. And I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And then finally, 2019, last year. All throughout the year, three years in a row, Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let it, your request be made known unto God. One translation says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Nothing's arbitrary with God. Could it be, church, that these last three years, God is sending a message to His church? throughout the world people have read these verses and I believe the message is simply this fear thou not there is an open door set before you there is a revival the likes we have never seen before and I don't need a timid church I don't need a fearful church I want a church that will walk boldly so I encourage you tonight, church, as wholeheartedly and as emphatically as I can, as Paul did his brethren, it's not the time to quit. It's not the time to give up. Now is the time more than ever that we fight the good fight. Now is the time that we keep the faith. Now is the time to finish the course. Right. 
Oh, praise God. Because God is not done with you. God is not done with this church. There is greater things on the horizon. 2020 holds so much greatness. I wish I could tell. I wish I knew. But God is wanting to do something great. Pastor has told us time and time again. There is something happening in the spiritual realm. Praise God, praise God. We've got to learn to step out of fear and into faith. Amen, amen, amen. These altars are open tonight. And the enemy's probably seeking in right now on whom he may devour. And he's going to tell you, just sit right back in your pew. Sit right back in your chair. It's not going to happen tonight. That, 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 that prayer request, that miracle, that healing, the Holy Ghost... Not tonight. But won't you let faith say yes? Won't you let faith say tonight can be the night? Tonight will be the night I receive everything. Tonight is the night I receive my healing. I receive my the Holy Ghost. I receive everything that I've been seeking and I'm being praying for. Come on, church. There's an open door right now. How many of you are willing to step out of fear and into faith right now? How many of you are willing to come down to this place altar with a spirit of boldness and let the devil know? Let all of hell know rejoice. Not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Oh.